Everything Sequel is brought to you by Tua T Fitness and Brew Bar. The How Dare You podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Tremors edition. Today we are talking about Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. My name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. With me, my friend and yours, the fabulous Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Go. Sons of bitches are always on a learning curve. <laughs> So, yes, we are learning about, we are going to be learning more about our fabulous Graboids and Shriekers and what they become in this movie, Tremors 3, Back to Perfection, the 2001 movie directed by Brent Maddock. Now, for all of these movies, Tom, they're all direct videos, so we don't have, you know, money. This one uh, got a couple more million dollars, though, in its budget, a budget of $6 million. Hmm. Want to know about Brent Maddock? Uh, do I? Here's what he's worked on as a writer. See if you can pick up a theme. Uh. Wild Wild West. Wait, wait, wait. Wasn't that that was that was S.S. Wilson, wasn't it? Yep. He. You said Wild Wild West was S.S. Wilson in the last episode. It was. They both wrote it together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So they they, they put not the wild yet, and the wild in Wild Wild West. I I'm not done yet though. Wild Wild West, Short Circuit, wait, 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 Short wait, Circuit wait, wait, Two, wait, 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 wait. Heart and Souls, <laughs> and Ghost Dad. The same movies. <laughs> yes. Oh, so they were a partnership. <laughs> yeah, they must have been. Holy shit! Unless unless it's like a Richard Lester Richard Donner situation. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> How great is this, though? Can you imagine that? If there's and, and just like no one wants to claim authorship of Short Circuit Two, <laughs> everyone's yeah, just like, exactly. like, you just say that guy directed it. I don't mind. Yeah, he did it. No, no, he did it. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. It's like the opposite of Richard Lester. Richard. It's just Donner. a way for them to blame each other. <laughs> wow. Nice. I love that. Okay, that's inter- that that's that's interesting too. Maybe maybe we're cuz you know, we're we're effectively doing the same movie again, but this time the model will stick for the rest of the series in a way that Aftershocks didn't. So it's interesting that, that yeah. it's like two sides of a of a creative partnership. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think back to our our ranking. <laughs> Were we both? Did you have this one third? Second. This okay, is my number so you two. You had it second, and I think I had it third. Yeah, correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So we both like this movie a lot. Yeah. I yeah. I think it, its title is not a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a big risk. They really rolled the dice with that title. Um, I yeah, I mean yeah, you could have made a lot of jokes if they failed. Exactly, yeah. Uh, It's not. um, Yeah, I wouldn't have set myself up like that, but they for the most part they deliver. I mean, I just like that they're you know, right from the start they're going for Moby Dick references. Uh, well, I, I is it this is it this movie where effectively by the end of it, but Gamma becomes, you know, the the he's the the old man in the sea or Moby Dick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I I actually that that's kind of interesting because I remember the opening of this movie thinking, this feels way more adult to me. This feels like way more of a grown-up mm. movie, specifically the opening. Like we're starting. I mean, we're we're back in you know we're back in Latin America, which is where we left the last movie. That's a nice way of picking right. up the thread. But everyone's speaking in Spanish without subtitles. And my first mm-hmm. note was like, "Who's the audience for this movie?" 
It ain't kids. <laughs> right. Um, and all the, all the I also have of, a note that just says the first scene is hilarious. And how dimly lit it is as well. Um, uh, you know, uh, also, I think, you know, that they're starting to cotton on to the idea that maybe the CGI for the Shriekers is not as good as they originally thought. So let's let's right. do it mostly at night. <laughs> and it automatically <laughs> looks better. Yeah. Uh, so it was a strange opening um, for me. And it, even the music, you know, less whimsical music to start the movie. Yeah. Um, and they're right in there but with it's just Gummer. Like, yeah, I was going to I was just going to say, I mean, right there with Burt Gummer with his you know, whatever that double cannon, you know, it looks like the 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 kind of thing that would be in the back of an airplane during you know, during World War II. Cuz he took a long this, time to turn up in aftershocks. Yeah. And I absolutely. think they they're I mean, we talked about like at what point did they realize that that he was going to carry the series? And I think from the very first minute of this movie, they're like, we need to have as much Burt Gummer as possible. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to we're going to burn the shit out of this movie. It was sort of surprising to me that he was working for the Argentinian government as an exterminator. But, you know, whatever you got to do. I was all for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought they were really cool shots, yeah. too. Just, you know. Massive amounts of of shriekers just running straight at you. That I mean, it was fun, man. It was excellent. It's an excellent little uh, cold open. Actually, I mean, they're still, although they, you know the time has moved on, they're still kind of riffing. What is what? What year is this? Two thousand and one. One. Yeah, two thousand and one. And they're, they're still sort of a. Oh, well, I guess a I guess there Odyssey. have been Jurassic Park sequels. They're still kind of riffing off. A little bit of that. It reminded me a lot of the cold open of Jurassic Park. Uh, they should have called this a Gummer Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it does, and then it does its exposition job really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the Shrieker is the now the agreed upon term for what we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> it's and then and then you know the rest of the movie is about introducing an entirely new monster once again. Yeah, but it's again. I really love that about this series. I love that this villain is constantly evolving against our heroes. Yeah, I think that's so much fun. It's definitely and and to say nothing of the fact that you know in this movie that the evolution turns into something called the Ass Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> Just amazing. I have so many. I have so many notes where I'm like. They're not going to settle on this, are they? For the rest of the series. <laughs> At some point, it's gonna be, someone's going to be like, okay, we need to come up with a different name than Ass Blaster. And no one ever does. <laughs> nope. Never. I mean, I mean you know, blasters. Graboid, Shrieker, they're, 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 they're kind of cool-sounding, mystical names. Ass Blaster is <laughs> crude. Whichever yes. way you look at it. Um, and yet, I'm, but even in the coming up of the name, like that's a funny scene where they, you know, they're. Well, that's it, and you know what? What's kind of great about about this series is that it that it it, it owns its rebranding, mm-hmm. and you know we actually see in world the decisions that that writers and producers and advertising people make behind the scenes. It's like, what are we going to call this? How are we going to exploit it commercially? That's all in these movies. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, and, totally. An early scene in this movie has the, uh, one of the characters reading a, a comic called Shriekers, uh, Graboids versus Shriekers, which is essentially yeah. what happens in this movie later on. Mm-hmm. And we got, a, we got a kind of... We didn't talk about it. We got a kind of flavor of that with Earl because, you know, there's a sense that he's like a, an ex-celebrity and everyone's making money off the Graboids but him. Yeah. Uh, And there was a Graboid arcade machine. Arcade game. But again, you know, that's such an interesting idea they didn't do much with in Aftershocks. Here they do, I think, wonderful things with it. 
I mean, they talk mm-hmm. about in the previous movie, they talk about the possibility of creating a like a Jurassic Park style, um, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> tremor, tremor, uh, tremor, tremorland called Wormworld. And yeah. when this, what was lovely is like at the beginning of this movie, it's like they kind of did Wormworld on a small scale. That's how we meet our co-lead. He's sort of doing like a, you know, like a a, a fly-by-night version of Wormworld. Right. (laughs) And I love that continuity. And, and, you know, everything suggests that it's deliberate. That they're actually... Yeah, I think so, yeah. They're actually like, hey, they talked about, you know, why don't we start with like a universal backlot style tour of perfection? Right. Time is the eternal river, I suggest. We not swim upstream. Well, and, uh, you know, what's that character's name? Jack. Is it Sawyer? No. Yeah, like Desert Jack Sawyer. Oh. Talk about talk about a Grady antidote. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, like, what an upgrade. <laughs> Thank you. And, and without <laughs> doing much work, you know, it's again, it's that sort of like it either you either. I think in this series, you either slot into place or you don't. And he's definitely. Yeah, one. I, yeah you're, you're right about that. Absolutely. But, you, you know, they don't I guess maybe the lack of work they do to get him to the forefront of the movie is why it works, because with Grady, we had to explain every few minutes that he wasn't Kevin Bacon. <laughs> There's none of that um, burden here for him. There's none of that baggage. It's just like, I'm an entirely new character. And, You're right. you know, the, I'm, a, I'm a huckster. Uh, you know, but... And, you know, I, I'm... I'm totally different. I'm coming at this from a totally different level. Almost the opposite from of Grady, a... because Grady knows everything Completely. about Graboids. And this is a guy who's claiming to know everything about Graboids, but no shit. And knows nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like you said, you know, he's he's a grifter. Yeah. Which means he's got room to grow. That is very true. And that's that's something that was non-existent. And uh, and uh, in the last movie, you know, a romantic partner who's different right, enough yeah, for him absolutely. to play off with Kate with Kate mm-hmm. and Earl. Although superficially, the differences were there. You know, she's a she she's intellectual, Scientist, very feminine. He's yeah, very right. alpha male and 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 visceral. There was never any kind of like. There's never coming to terms with those differences at any point. Whereas with uh, Susan and Jack, you know, that's at the forefront of of their dynamic at all time. It's like, can this couple make it because they're so uh, they come from totally different angles Mm -hmm. philosophically. And the movies, you know, it's all about reconciling that. And that's a more I remember I remember thinking all the time. I was like, I like that there's romance in Aftershocks. But they do way more with it here, and it's way more effective. And it's way more effective, absolutely, yeah. And then the other nice touch for this movie is, you know, you've got a little bit of the band coming back together. Because every, you know, the townspeople from the original movie, you know, it's been a few years. (laughs) But they're all, you know, they bring those actors back, right? I I mean, it's just great. And they actually, yeah, and they actually do it. And you know, it's a long time since I've seen the original Tremors, so I wasn't sure who was surrogate and who was uh, legacy. These are my own terms. I hope everyone understands what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm making up these terms as I go. But um, uh, I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, as soon as anyone came on, I checked out because now I've been burnt so many times in sequels of thinking characters are in the original and they're not. People you think were the original. (laughs) But the majority of them are. And the ones who are kind of replaced, it's a sort of logical replacement. You know, it's like we trade, you know, it's like someone else in the family. In a way, you know, like perfection is a good setting in that sense because it's like everyone's brothers and uncles and cousins would be there. Like you Mm -hmm. don't have to manufacture it. You know, and it's it's well, and, and, you know, what I like, too, is this includes a character 
the actor Ariana Richards, who plays Mindy, mm-hmm. who is, of course, from the uh, Jurassic Park world. She's the teenage girl yeah. in Jurassic yeah. Park, you know? So, yeah, nice. Some just sort of delightful symmetry going on. There is, yeah, and I, I like the fact, you know, and they've and they've accounted for the fact that these people are living different lives, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and how right. they've changed. I think halfway through the movie, we get into, you know, we get the return of Melvin, who is now yeah. this obnoxious real estate person. And I was like, yeah. that is, I mean, that's such attention to detail. Because then you're like, because it totally makes sense in terms of the character. But you're also yeah, right. acknowledging that, you know, time has moved on. Things have changed. Children have grown up. Uh, yeah. But in a way that, you know, it, it doesn't, sequels like to run with that way too much and you know if you think about the fast and the furious movies like these guys are car thieves you know and then by the end of it they're government agents they're superheroes yeah but there's no one who's thinking melvin wouldn't grow up to be uh like a local real estate kingpin who tries to fuck everyone over i mean it's like like, of course that's exactly where his of course that's where his life took him yeah and that's what's great about like back to perfection is that um you know, it's it's that great small town vibe of, of well, and that's nothing, why this movie delivers. nothing changes, but things have to change. <laughs> right. Which is and small towns are the perfect place to do that story. Well, and, you know, just the very idea of. We are we're taking a stand to save this town of 14 people. <laughs> But it's their town, you know? <laughs> it's almost as if we should do a Western about this. Yeah, exactly. And we will. Stay tuned. And we will. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, but I think, again, compared to other mo- other movies in this series, the, the, the ensemble is just the right size. Yes. <laughs> I don't need any more people. I don't need any fewer no people. We're, we're good. And I think maybe that's part of the reason we're back to perfection in the first place was it was like, let's streamline some shit. And just from a practical standpoint of we want to keep making these movies, but listen, I I don't have $20 million to spend on this movie, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think it it, it benefits from that. Well, listen, let's take a break. We're just getting started. And when we come back, we'll get into the story and we'll, you know, delve deeper into what happens in perfection. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2AT Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2AT Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back. Tom and I are here discussing the 2001 direct-to-video Tremors 3 Back to Perfection. We both rank it near the tops of our list. So we're digging on Back to Perfection. I got to tell you, it was nice to see uh, Burt Gummer just get a new Hawks hat. That's one of my notes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) 
Yeah, later on, he's. I think it was he said, I think this is the kind of hat or the kind of team Bert would like. And then, of course, in subsequent sequels, he starts wearing Cubs shit. That's right. And that's because Michael Gross is a Cubs fan, but I love that they make hay out of it in the movies. If that was the condition of him staying on, I'm all for it. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) So, you know, we start off with Bert in another country, but then, of course, he comes back to perfection. He does, yeah. And... As the title suggests. Yeah. This title works. This title has so many levels. It's... (laughs) Aftershocks means one thing. This means uh, yeah, a bunch this of be, things. This, 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 you, could, you could delve deep into the back to perfection. Oh, yeah. I love that, by the way, he comes in, he comes in and he sees... Is it Jody is the character or is Susan the character? Susan is the... Um, runs Isn't the Susan store. the actor? Su- Susan Chang, is right? I, think I thought it was Jody Chang that ran the store and Susan... Is the actor? Do I have that wrong? At any rate, I love. Nope, that. Susan I'm... Chang. Joe. Oh, oh, I can see where the confusion lies because. Oh no, she's. Oh, Susan Ch- Chang is spelled differently. It's Susan right. Chuang. And Jody Chang. Uh, which one's actor. which? Jody <laughs> Chang Jody's is the, the actor? actor. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I love that Bert's been gone for who knows how long, and one of the first, she comes, he comes into the store, and the first thing she says is, "Do you want your mail?" And he says, "Yeah, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I think he he wouldn't know the gov wouldn't want the government knowing where he is. Yeah, is the is the kind of but that's my favorite it. part of it because there's a whole big you know. I don't know if it's a subplot, but there, there's a whole other thing involving the government and and his views of government that really are at play and kind of work well for this movie that I like and I think are yeah. really funny. And so, I mean, uh, I, I, what, what Mike's referring to is at some a point later in the movie, um, the government, interv- you know, they're all, they're all ready to get rid of the, um, the, the graboids again. And the government intervene and declare them an endangered species. They, it it has a feeling. It has a real aliens alien three feeling. Mm-hmm. Because they wanna they wanna capture them and use them for their own purposes. Right, and you know I I think it's it, it, we've talked about you know where where are these movies in relation to how Bert sees the world, and yeah. I think in this movie it's very clear that we're on Bert's side. In yeah, how exactly. He, how he views right. the government is exactly how the government is portrayed in this movie. Is basically what right. I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, because he says, what's, what, what's it been, 11 years? And I was just like, you know, I I don't think this was planned, but that's a really good period of time to, like, go back to the original. Mm -hmm. Because it's just enough time that you can suspend disbelief that everyone might have forgotten that there's a bunch of worms underground. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in most horror movies, it's like one year and everyone is just supposed to be over it. Yeah. Well, and we haven't talked about this because the one thing I love about this series in general is it feels like this is the kind of series in which only the people this happens to would be the people that know about the creatures. Mm -hmm. And they could be thought of as the crazy people that think there are worms in their town. But for the whole series, in every single sequel, it's known to the world that Graboids exist. Yes. I really like that. I hmm. think that's great. Yeah, they're, they're like, they're, the their reputation in pop culture, in our world, is the same as it is in the movie. Yeah, exactly. There's comics about them, you know, spin-offs. Video games, there's, yeah, right. Um, They've and... been merchandised. Yeah. And so I think it's it's nice to have that to play off. Because when you get to those scenes where they're naming new monsters, uh, they're not just taking account of the fact that that's what we're going to call it. It's not like Walking Dead where, you know, you come up with a name for the zombie 
and everyone has a different name. Right. Here here it's a matter of branding. It's like yeah, this right. is going to go in a comic book. Well, and and you know cuz we spoke to it in the last summer series where you know in the first movie this woman is attacked and a serial killer tries to murder her. Mm-hmm. And then in the second movie they're like, "Oh, you're just being silly." He's not no, no, no. He's gone. He's dead. And so you always sort of have that element in these horror kind of or creature type movies. And I just love that in these movies, they're like, oh, yeah, no, they exist. We, we're making books. We're making comic books. We're making video games. <laughs> you, would you like a Graboid Slurpee? Here you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. One of the there's a kid on the on the uh, the Tremors tour. Who says, Mom, take a picture of me with a tremor. So I agree with you. I think, that, I think that's really, it's really nicely done. Um, and, you know, we'll see how that gets kind of digitalized later um, when Bert gets his own TV, his own reality right. TV show. Which I have a feeling that's why you like Bloodline so much, <laughs> because and I tell you, if it was if it was an entirely a mockumentary about that reality show, I would be in. Yeah, that's. But true. yeah, it's definitely something that's 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 consistent, and um, uh, it's a very it's a really strong choice. Totally, like they they never become like. Um. They never become like folklore, um, in the sense that you know people. People have just got over the fact that they exist, right? And yeah. you know we talked about this in Final Destination as well. Like <laughs> at the beginning of this, at the beginning of the franchise, everyone has accepted the Grim Reaper exists. <laughs> By the end of the franchise, <laughs> everyone's surprised that death keeps you know mixing electricity with water and blowing everyone up. Yeah. Whereas here, there's never, there's never that kind of like retcon where people have never heard of at least one of these creatures. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that throughout the series, there are like the occasional characters who are, what? What are you talking about, huh? And mm-hmm. it has to be explained to them. But it's that, that's kind of more about terrain, isn't it? Like the, you yeah, put, you you. It's like no one, no. It's I don't people think that have been living like, on an island, or yeah. you know, how did yeah. they get to an island? How did they get to the snow? How did they get to South yeah. Africa? That kind of thing. But uh, yeah, well, here they don't have that problem because we're, we're you know they're sandworms still. Yeah, so we're we're still in the desert. Mm-hmm. I mean, the crux of this story is you've got, you know, you're adding the new character. Of the Desert Jack. Yeah. And he's got these sideshows, you know, he's got he's got a tour that he's taking people on that are complete bullshit. Yeah. You know, he's got a bu- he's got a buddy who's kicking up dirt behind bushes mm-hmm. and pulling down fences so that they can make it seem like people are having a graboid attack and they're just, you know, taking a little money. Yeah. And then of course Real Graboids show up one day, kill mm-hmm. his friend, and now now we're in a race for our lives. And it's like it's... a low-budget King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways. <sighs> but, to, you know, to your point earlier, we've got a relationship to care about in this movie. Definitely. Between Jack and, and Susan. Really nicely done. And it really works well. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you just got, I think Desert Jack is a good foil for Bert. They were good together, like, together in yeah, this movie. Yeah, without putting too fine a point on it as well. Right. Like, I mean, like we said, he just kind of, he, he there's, there's no great effort for him to become Bert's sidekick. It just sort of happens organically, mm-hmm. which is something that you can't say about every single one of these movies. Um but once he's in there, then absolutely he's a you know a great foil, and it's you know it's like uh, like it's a it's about it's it because the dynamic is very clear. Um, you know, knowledge, no knowledge, 
like, but you know, he has he has he is a huckster, so he has some kind of he can pull the skills out of his ass. Right. Whereas yeah. Bert is very much he needs the equipment. Um. And you can think about it in relation to aftershocks. It's like. What is the dynamic supposed to be between Grady and Earl? And we never really know. Yeah, exactly. And here it's sort of like, it's unspoken. But all mm-hmm. those things are very clear. Very clear character contrasts, but also how they how they work, inevitably work together as a team as well. Absolutely. And then the other great thing about this movie is... You know, they have a moment where they really make you think, uh-oh... Did we just lose Bert? Yeah. <laughs> and that's great. It, it, it's a bit I mean, stolen from Men in Black, but... Well, but, uh, I mean, that's... You know, it's it's also that sequel thinking of, like, where haven't we gone? Yeah. Or inside the monster. We haven't gone inside the beast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like Jaws 3D. It's like, we're going to go inside. We're going to get literally get inside the monster. Yeah. Um... And boy, it looks amazing when he he's reborn out of the no, oh, yeah, reborn out of the graboid stomach. Um, and you know, this is something that is such an un- unforgettable moment that even this the continuity of the series doesn't forget this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love comes it. back to haunt him. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, I guess I guess it's one of the ways in which you. It's, you know, the metaphor as well is that you're constantly rebirthing. And the Alien movies, to your point earlier, do that too. It's like mm-hmm. every time that there's a rebirth in the franchise, there's kind of a rebirth on screen. And that seems to be that moment. He's feels it, it feels very much like he's being ripped from the womb, like he's being reborn. Right. As, I guess, the lead of this and all subsequent movies in some ways. Right. Yeah, 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 totally. Because at that point, I guess the story can go two ways. You know, we can, we can kill him, and you know, he would stay this kind of like background character who, who sort of you know agreed to pretend to be the lead of the movie for a little bit so they could do this storyline. Right. But the but fact he would that end he... up becoming because in this movie, you know, when they go into the shop, you see like uh, in memory of Chang on the wall who died right. in the first movie that you know it would be that kind of thing um doesn't miguel get it in this movie miguel well? dies in this movie yeah again like and that was a really affecting like i was so sad to see him go that was I again mean, you know, you know was great you, you if you're if you're latino you're in trouble yeah in these movies even legacy characters aren't safe nope uh, but then, yeah, but it, it also, but it's, I mean, aside from the racial stuff, it's great that the stakes are that high. That yes. na- now, because now, you know, we've taken what's kind of quite, what I kind of liked about this this movie was it realized that the attraction of this movie is not necessarily the stars. Like, you can keep this series going without any of the, t- without the original leads of the movie. Mm-hmm. And we've got a level playing field where anyone can die at any moment because they're just, they're, you know, they're all supporting characters. They're all kind of on the same playing, uh, playing field at this point. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't frivolously kill off Bert at any other point in the series. Correct. Right. But here, there's a definitely a possibility you can do that because they just killed off a, a someone who's, you know, on the same plane as Bert cast wise. Sure. So that is just great. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. So now, what's your favorite? Because we introduce a new part of the evolution in this <laughs> movie, and and we have ass blasters now. Yes. Do you have a favorite of the three? Yeah, graboid, shrieker, ass blaster. <sighs> I yeah. I I I don't know. I think I'm in a. It's hard. It's hard not to like the Graboids because they because I I like practical effects over CGI. But right. Um, uh, I like the Ass Blasters a lot. Uh, I think they're... I, just, I don't. I mean, 
again, there's still some CGI issues. There's some CGI problems when they're flying around. But also that when they emerge from the scene? dirt. I think that's the big problem. That's why Practical is so good for, for Tremors. Is yeah. that, you know, you have that money shot of them coming out of the dirt. And it looks amazing. And doing that, I mean, I, I remember thinking that that when they come out of the ground, they look kind of lubricated in CGI. Mm -hmm. Like someone's slathered some oil, you know, slathered some, some grease on yeah. them to get them out. <laughs> um, which is not a, not a, a pleasant effect. Um what well, what the thing again? Uh, going back to you know in the last episode we talked about how you know they're reimagined as dinosaurs because Jurassic Park you know we're in between two Jurassic Park movies. Mm -hmm. Here I think you know they're reimagined as dragons. And what movie is out there that has a lot of dragons in it? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. It's like it's so blatant in a in a wonderful way. Uh, no. They're flying. They're breathing fire. They, the, they, the gestation period. You know, everything. I don't know if they're breathing fire. <laughs> they're lighting their farts. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I'm, I'm, un I'm just uncomfortable with that idea, as you probably <laughs> noticed. Yeah, it's a fart dragon. What are you talking about? They, there's another T-shirt. Fart. Dragon. That's your yeah, right. I was just gonna say you're rebranding them. I would prefer fart, fart dragon. Dra fart dragon has more gravitas about it than ass blasters. Oh, that's fucking great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we're still, you know, but it's in reinventing that mythology. You know, that one of the things I liked about after oh, aftershocks. As soon as anyone starts asking difficult questions, they get shut down. And uh, we do that again mm -hmm. here. It's like, <laughs> right? It's like, just, just go with it, go with it. Yeah, Let's... they're just ass blasters. Mm -hmm. All and right. there's a running gag about no one can get the name right, which is beautiful because that is something that that when discussing tremors in the real world happens all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie's called Tremors, but they're called Gravoids. So you say Tremors, you say Gravoids. And the, the sequels have just compounded the problem by adding two more monsters that are the same monster. That evolved from the... Yeah, right. Yeah. Delightful. All right. Uh, let's take one more break. Sure. And then we're going to come back. And I want to talk about this whole last section of this movie where, again... Like the second movie, I think, you know, it just gets better and better as it goes along. Flaming arrow potato guns. Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turn me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. And we're back. Tom and I are here finishing up talking about Tremors 3 Back to Perfection, the 2001 film. Directed by Brent Maddock, who just might be S.S. Wilson, for all we know. <laughs> That's the other thing. <laughs> That's the other um, possibility. I mean, they're, they're like one's like, an Alan Smithy. Um, to, Michael... you know, it's like a replacement. Yeah. Maybe maybe he was blacklisted <laughs> at one point and had to go from S.S. Wilson to Brent Maddock. Oh, shit. Blacklisted in 1990, whatever. 
Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. So, you know, listen, we have, you know, we've talked about the sort of shuckster thing that uh, Desert Jack's got going on and then the Graboids appear and then all of a sudden it's, you know, Michael Gross is eaten and all of a sudden we have a new evolution and we're dealing with ass blasters for pretty much the rest of the movie. They're stuck in the desert. Miguel dies. They have to find a way to get back home. And then you have this whole final battle scene in the junkyard. Mm -hmm. And I fucking love it. Like every last second of it. I just think it's great. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a moment, I think, where they're, uh, they, they made flame. Oh yeah. Flaming arrow potato guns. Right. That's not no, an exaggeration. Yeah. He, he that wasn't what, joking. <laughs> that, yeah, I wasn't joking. And I just thought, you know, like if I think about, you know what the essence of Tremors is as a series. You know it's 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 this combination of action, comedy, mm-hmm. and horror, and you get it all in that yeah. one idea. <laughs> Absolutely, flaming arrow potato guns, uh, and you know again the Lord of the Rings vibe. You're shooting arrows into the air like Aragon right. or whatever. Um, so I think that's definitely at play too. I, I love that. I absolutely love that sequence. I think tonally, it really nails. Uh, it really nails it. And this and this movie, I think, is is less afraid of the more exploitation side of mm-hmm. Tremors than perhaps Aftershocks was. You know, we, we talked a little bit how Fred Ward didn't get the memo about this not being like a fifties B right. movie anymore. This movie, I feel like, without you know feeling. Old-fashioned. No, or, but I, like, they parody. really lean into I still has the that. B of this movie. Yeah. In a way that, Definitely. you know, I, the, the, the note I have is somebody loves Roger Corman. You know mm. what I mean? That's what it felt like to me. Completely. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, has a budget and yeah. production values. So it's it's wonderful. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I kind of, but on, I guess the flip side of that is I like how cobbled together this feels, how makeshift it feels sometimes mm-hmm. too. I mean, we talked a little bit about how you know Bert's packaged meals became like the 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 holy grail of mm-hmm. aftershocks <laughs> after being introduced in such a ex- elaborate way. Here we get something that I totally forgot about, which is the tape on Jack's yeah, pants, right. which eventually <laughs> saves the day. And I was like, I was like, you know, I don't know if Brent Maddock is SS Wilson or the two sides of the same coin or whatever, but I prefer this kind of MacGyver version of how things get resolved. Well, that's and that's the thing, you know. We were speaking earlier about. In this type of movie, it it's always helpful to have that idea of how are they going to survive? How are they going to get through this? Mm-hmm. And to what yeah. you were just saying, when, when they do have to find a MacGyver kind of way to mm-hmm. get themselves out of trouble... There's just something always great about it. I mean, you're you're oh you're always going to be invested in whether or not this will work. Especially when the the screenplay explicitly compares it to MacGyver, <laughs> so you're left in no doubt. And this, you know, there's some really interesting kind of meta connections here. Like Jack is. And this is this is again a way more interesting version of what they do with Grady. Oh yeah, because because kind of Grady Grady has the Grady pop was culture grading. rundown <laughs> of um, of what happened in Tremors, mm-hmm. whereas Jack is just going off movies he's seen <laughs> right. and making the Tremor mythology yeah. <laughs> fit that. And and he's kind of based everything he knows on the comics. At one point, he turns to Burton and said, "You should really yeah, read the right. comics." 
You know, this is the it's like they, they covered <laughs> this. So I that's a much because you know it's then it's not like I don't know about you, but there's nothing more annoying than a character who is a fan of the franchise yeah. in the franchise. I think that's the worst possible character type uh, in any kind of franchise to me. Because I just think it's 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 just a way for the fanboy in the screenwriter to to get on get screen, on screen. Right. A lot of people love that, and a lot of people talk about how we well, have gone back to Star Wars again. Ray in the Force Awakens is just a, like a fangirl, and how everyone loved that. And that's the thing I like the least about her character. Okay, that she's like a Star Wars fangirl, and I was like. We don't need that. J.J. Abrams don't need that. <laughs> um, but so Grady is definitely that, and that's large part where it doesn't work. Whereas Jack is just a sort of general movie fan kind of P.T. Yeah, Barnum. he's just sort of a fool. Yeah, oh, exactly. This, he's a carny. This fuck he's a total pe- this fuck carny. people up in that horror movie. Yeah. I'll do. It. Yeah, this fuck people up in that horror movie. I'll do it on my tour. <laughs> right. Kind of guy. And that's so much more interesting. Well, plus he's matched with, you know, I mean, although I question it, there's this line at one point that (laughs) Susan has. I could have parlayed my MBA into a six figure income. And yet what she's decided to do was open a convenience store in a town of 14 people. (laughs) But I mean, she does. I don't know if they ever say it, but I think the idea is she had to take that over. I think it's part of it, but. It she was, also didn't have to do if, that. Not really. <laughs> of course she did not. She to had do that. to for the purposes but of the she script, brimmed. but not in reality as we know it. But then you know that. But again, like you know, she's she's a character who that because you know it's it's all about how Jack and Susan are different and how they're going to come together, and eventually they come together on the fact that she is this incredible businesswoman. And he's, you know, uh, a real yeah. showman. And so they put a they put an ass yeah, blaster exactly. in the cage, right, in the store. <laughs> Which, for as much as I love this movie, I don't think we've kind of filleted the no. moral <laughs> implications. <laughs> totally. Again, you know, we've been told at a very at an earlier well, point. Well, also, it's like, how does it is, work? This, this is Burt yeah, Gummer's movie. Right. This could have been written by Burt Gummer. Because <laughs> we've dismissed the idea that these that these monsters are in any way endangered species or deserve to have friends. That is never an issue. And everyone's kind of fine with it. In the entire it. series. No, never But what's issue. funny to me is with, and, the, you know, with me, the ass blaster in a cage by the end of this movie, you know, it feels like a way to put butts in seats. But there are no seats. Yeah. It's just it's like people are gonna need whatever right. they're gonna yeah. get from it's the like, store. Do I want a Coca Cola or not? <laughs> and I can I can look at a, a bad CGI dragon. Well, while I I'm decide there. if I want Coke or Pepsi. So I you know I had mixed I had mixed feelings, and it really just reaffirmed for me that this was like uh, these kind of we're just we're just kind of glossing over this. You know any animal rights implications oh, yeah. here? Um, and then, the, but then they mention Siegfried and Roy. It's like, well, then they're somewhat conscious of this being animal You're right. cruelty. You're right. I forgot about that. When you, yeah, when they say Siegfried and Roy. Um, so I, I, but but for me, as you know, as a, like an animal lover and a, and a, you know, as an audience watching it in 2020, I'm like. That that final reveal of the ass blaster in the cage, I'm like, that totally shifts my sympathy towards the monster. I don't think they were intending mm-hmm. it that way. But I'm just like, oh, fuck, these people are garbage. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, do you think... You know? But just because it's like... I mean, if you, I think if you if you put an animal in a cage for sport, you're scum. That's, that's, that's your my feeling. overall of thing of the world. So maybe that's just personal do, But do you me. think that they... Like, from a filmmaker standpoint, do you think that they were thinking these are fictional characters so people won't mind? Is that, you know? Or... No, just... 
I think in light of the rest of the movie, the fact that, you know, the, the government idea that these are endangered species is laughed off. I think it's just an okay. extension of that. But for me as a, as a viewer, I was just like, oh, gross. You know, um, you know, they're, 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 they're the victims right. now. Um, so it's kind of, and then you added that to the fact that it's Melvin, who is the most despicable character in the film, who calls Bert a right wing psycho mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. It's like, well, you you don't want to be a Melvin, <laughs> <laughs> so de facto you've got to support. Um, that might be a third Bert T-shirt Gummer. for this series already. Don't be a Melvin. You don't want to be a Melvin. <laughs> and then, yeah, this is this is where it happens at the very end of the movie. We see Bert Gummer and Al Blanco become the kind yeah. of Moby Dick, right. old man and the whale. Um, Thing. So that does happen in oh, this movie. Big time. I, I remember that correctly. Uh, so I mean, yeah, it's it's a El Blanco. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's a it's a yeah, it's a great. It's pretty much all play apart from that weird kind of. Well, and that's the, the whole movie is like you know it, it's it's a it's a little bit right wing for my taste and how it yeah. sees the world. But in terms of what it puts on screen, in terms of entertainment, it's pretty much plain sailing. All yeah, the way I completely agree. I'm. Those are my only reservations about the movie at all. Is that it? Uh, you know, I don't want to live in Burt Gummer's no. brain. And this movie is inside. Burt like Burt Gummer is the perfect character. I mean, he gets reborn like yeah, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> He's the the Jesus of the Tremors. But like I've said before, that's one of the magic tricks of this series is for for them to make you want to love and care about Bert enough to revisit with him every few years. It is, uh, you know, it's fantastic. It's a, it's you know, maybe astonishing feat is too far, but it's kind of an astonishing feat. No, I, I, I think. (laughs) I, I mean, you tell me, is there any other franchise that you know of? I mean, it's rare enough that one actor will appear right. in... Everything. All. Yeah. Everything. Is there another one where the the, the character... Uh, well, I guess I guess the next movie blows that whole theory. Because <laughs> Burt Gummer's not in that movie, is he? No, but... <laughs> Spoiler alert, there's no Burt Gummer in the next movie. But that's what I love about that movie is, you know, this, this, you know. Me you, too. Clearly. You, yeah, My I mean, favorite. you get you get the origin story for Burt. You know, you get, mm-hmm. like, that movie could have also been called Bloodlines. You know what I mean? Because. <laughs> well, I mean. This it, it's really it's really interesting, like how these movies come out of the gate versus what you think of them at the mm-hmm. end. Because I I think that it, there's a real kind of I think the beginning of this movie I don't know what to think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's interesting. And yeah. I didn't necessarily think it was a good decision to go back to perfection, even though the title kind of tied the hands there. <laughs> um, at the time, I was like, is this really where we want to go? Yeah, you know, but like, you were probably thinking more along so, the lines of, look, if this movie fails in any way, I'm going to be able to just lay into this title <laughs> come the live long day, right? True, true. But, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of, as you know, of like circling back to the original uh, as a, because you're out of ideas. Sure. And that's kind of what it felt like as an idea. When you get there, you're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly mm-hmm. the thing you should be doing. Um, and I think <laughs> we'll see in the next <laughs> we'll see in the next episode. Uh, I had quite a turnaround of thinking about the the next movie, knowing nothing about it. Oh, yeah. Not well, knowing. My biggest did, turnaround. Yeah. I didn't. The big the biggest turnaround and I think it's sort of interesting, like, what these movies give you up front 
doesn't inspire you. But by the end of the movie, you are just you're fully you on board and ready to defend it till, till your last dying breath. You are gobbling <laughs> that. You are gobbling up that microwave yeah. popcorn. I had to has to be microwave popcorn because you can't see no. these in movie theaters. Um, you know, like it, it's just it's just astonishing. And uh, again, I'm just like, I I, I think I, I I don't know how many. We'll see how many of these films I go through with with this. But certainly three and four, which I mm-hmm. like the most. I spend the first ten minutes of the movie going, "What is this? Why are we doing this?" <laughs> Why would anyone think this is a good idea? And then by the end of the movie, I am um, singing I, I'm praises. Just like, what the fuck yeah, was I right. worried about? I am in safe hands here. Safe, safe hands. I was wrong all along. Yeah, I mean that is a feeling I get in life a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm u- usually in certainly movies, on this I'm podcast, pretty... right? Boom! <laughs> Nailed it. According, to, according, <laughs> according to you. But normally, you know, normally I can feel a, a movie out in its first few minutes and get a sense yeah, right. of, you know, whether it's going to be garbage or not. And I, I definitely had the strong smell of garbage in in this movie and and, uh, and, and the next just, one. Yeah, smelling daisies minutes. by the end. It's like it's basically like someone. It, it, the the opening scenes of these two movies are, um, is someone saying you know like saying, uh, some what what's like a really contentious thing you could say. I think. And just anything. I think all British people should be murdered in the face. Right. <laughs> so you say that, and then you and then you immediately put your hands up and go, "Go with me on this." <laughs> but hear me out. <laughs> And then that's the yeah. rest of the movie. Although I I wouldn't say what you said was particularly contentious. I think that's <laughs> I think history history's definitely born out of well, your argument. Well, like, you know, if someone tried to if someone tried to kill me on on the grounds of the history of my people, I'd be like, "You know what? I got well, no defense." Uh, it it reminds me of, you know, at this point in your life with COVID and everything that's happening and like, so at some point where, you know, a lot of us are looking for new work, but Mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing whatever, an introduction letter, it might start off now, look, I'm a middle-aged white male, but hear me out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's sort of, I, I guess, I guess what this movie is saying is like, look, I it's basically it's just saying I want Burt Gummer to take us through these movies. Yeah, right. Go right, with right, me right. on this. <laughs> now just hang on a second. And they're like they're like not Miguel or Mindy right. or Susan. It's like there's a there's a lot more diverse people you could put at the forefront of this movie. It's like But yeah, for some but reason Michael Gross is really good at yeah. playing crazy people. <laughs> Plus, I think they can also they uh, they always have the thing to lean back on of remember the dad from Family Ties. Well, here he is as Burt Gummer. It, yeah, and it's hard it's hard to imagine that that the Burt Gummer as a character could have lasted so long without Michael Gross's ability to switch mm-hmm. type. Because I mean. Because I mean, Family Ties is interesting because, you know, in that sitcom, he is an icon yeah. of liberalism. Yeah. Am I correct? Absolutely. Michael J. Michael J. Fox is closer to Absolutely. Burt Gummer in that sitcom. Um, I I mean, my Family Ties was never like a big thing in Britain okay. when I was growing up. Uh, but um, yeah, another reason why all British people should be murdered. <laughs> um, but uh, but. E- ER was big, and he played uh, Noah Wiley's dad mm-hmm. in ER, uh, playing a character who is not unlike the character that we will see in Travis <laughs> 4. This kind of yeah. silver spoon um, trust fund kid, grown up, basically. And it's and Michael, you know, so we all have our, you know, we all have our Michael Grosses, but they're vastly different mm-hmm. character types. And I think without his ability to switch between those different registers, this 
this would series not be as would successful. Not. Absolutely. And no. it's the whole so. series is sort of a masterclass in how great an actor Michael Gross is. It does make me wonder why he's so available, though. Do, do people not like working with him? I don't know. Because if I was a casting director, he wouldn't be able yeah, to sleep. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> he would be like, I would be calling him back. Anything and everything. You know, not only has he got, not only has he got a great <laughs> nose, he's got one of those great actor yeah, noses. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just, he's just magnificent uh, and mm-hmm. versatile. I mean, I just, I can't sing the praises enough. All right. Well, let's end it there. We have done it. (laughs) Tremors 3, back to perfection. Ladies and gentlemen, let us know what you think. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Please rate and review us. It helps. Yeah. Apple Podcasts. Do it. All right. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Production... Productions. I am Michael Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. We will be back for Tremors 4 The Legend Begins. Say bye, Tom. The first, epi- the first episode of our new series, Everything Prequel. <laughs> Excellent. All right, we'll see you next time. 